welcome to the Not Quite the Afterglow podcast, your chance to see inside the mind of a British 40-something man and his 30-something wife. Not your average couple, but then this is not your average podcast. Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of Not Quite the Afterglow, episode 14. My name's Richard. And I'm Chloe. And you're joining us today on a on a freezing cold day. It really is quite bitterly cold, isn't it? I don't know what's happened, but suddenly it's called winter. It happens every year. <laughs> I know, but there's it's after the, the equinox. You there's know? like obviously in the UK we haven't had like what I would call full on snow for maybe four years, five years now. Well, yeah, yeah, since since our youngest was a baby. Yeah, and uh, so it's always a huge novelty for us. But even in the states, there have been places that have had snow Texas, this week. we had friends in Austin posting photos of snow flurries and sn- snow actually lying on the ground in Austin first time in years and years and years and, and years. And schools closed Schools and all closing because people don't know how to drive. But we have completely lucked out in all of this. Although, don't get me wrong, it is absolutely freezing outside. We don't have any snow. Like, no, we don't have ice, but no snow. We have had snow, it's just been too wet to lie. It's been thick well, snow, but nothing's laid. It's been like sleet, so... Yeah, it's it still been anything. really unpleasant, but... But, um, but literally, just, I would say, 45 minutes north no, of us? even closer than that. I was I was driving around the town centre two minutes from the house, and um, there were cars coming the opposite direction with thick snow on the roofs. Yes, uh, uh, yeah, some, somewhere to the um, west, west of. of us had a bit of snow, but mostly sort of the north upwards, and they even and, had and it like then, then to the east of London and, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, and like the Midlands. So and it basically north. missed us. Yeah, so we're like this tiny little pocket of no that snow. didn't get any snow, which is very disappointing. But it has screwed my week up. I haven't been able to get up to Birmingham to my office up there because, you know, the motorways are full of people who can't drive. Yeah, and this is the thing, like... Um, I can drive in snow, I've got... Both my cars are four-wheel drive and, you know, set for snow. I'm like, let me at them, but I can't get out. But this is the thing about snow. Like, when you are a child, snow is amazing. You know, you get to have a day off school, you get to go out and play in it because you don't get it very often. Sure. But snow as an adult is not so much fun, is it? Because well, we got we got more days off school because we lived in the countryside and the, the bus couldn't get to us. Didn't matter whether the school was open or shut. Bus, if the bus was not going to come up the big hills, then we would just take the week off it was great ah but would you though because you had teaching parents parents who were teachers (laughs) now i did i used to take the week off and go sledging and it was fun and uh have ice balls thrown at me i think i was the one who yeah who who was always the victim i think it's one of those things that is great until it inconveniences you like most of the snow here fell on the sunday so obviously children weren't at school and people weren't working necessarily sure so they actually got to enjoy it but then when it came to monday morning black monday as they called it yeah because it was all black ice and still still very snowy you know that sort of the reality kicked in of people not being able to go to work or to school and you know, maybe it's not quite so fun. But, but I bought two cars of four-wheel drive and I haven't got to use them. I know. I just I just feel like I've missed out a bit. I would have liked to have had a token walk in the snow and the kids play in the snow for a day and then sure. it all goes and then everything is fine. Well, we may get that in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks? If we had a white Christmas, it would be amazing. It's not going to happen. The bookkeepers, I, I reckon they artificially seed the clouds with planes so they, doesn't, never, they never have to pay out. Yeah, we Just did like have, Russia. can you remember, we did have a slightly white Christmas, um, probably would have been about eight years or nine years ago, because yeah. uh, I don't think I was pregnant, and we were going to my mum's for Christmas dinner, and the oh, car broke down. Oh, we did, the car broke down. down, the clutch went, yeah. yeah. 
literally in the morning. three or four minutes drive away from, from your mother's. We'd driven like 45 minutes to get to your mum's and the clutch went at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, just round the corner. We had Luckily to Luckily it was under warranty, but the clutch went. Yeah. But it was, it was, there was snow on the ground then, wasn't there? There was snow on the ground then. It, very rare that it happens. And I remember being in the northeast about 23 or 4 years ago and having a very drunken evening in the Rose Dean in Sunderland and walking back to my grandmother's house um, in the thick snow, really thick snow through Sunderland. But then that's the northeast, that's 400 miles away, say, so you expect that more. Yeah, see, you're a northerner, so I you must have grown up with more more snow than I did. Um, yeah, I remember birthdays where children were delivered to the birthday parties on sledges. I think that, that was the norm, you know. Around February time, there was a lot of snow. Yeah. See, a lot of thick snow. I think... I probably had less. I do remember sometimes of my childhood having snow. My sister was abducted in the snow. Seriously, she'd someone nicked the pushchair with my sister in it and then realised my sister was in it, left her at the corner of the road and then ran off with the pushchair. Oh, goodness. Yeah, in the snow. Well, as you do. As my mother do. running down the hill in the snow. I'll never forget it. So, yeah, I mean, living in the south-west of the UK, we have probably better weather than they do... In the north and in Scotland. Well, they always say it's grim up north. Well, it's not that it's grim up north. You have you have the North Sea, so you have you know opposite Scandinavia, you have Holland, so you have the winds coming off that massive expanse expanse of water and the Baltic Sea, you know, all pushing cold winds that way. So we it's bound have, to be colder. The two of us, we do have a little bit of a, a north south divide. We do. I mean, we were having a, a conversation just earlier today, actually, and Richard, you were saying that you've basically lived it here in the southwest a quarter of my life for a quarter of your life now. yeah it's the longest i've ever lived anywhere and i pointed out it was probably through a combination of cheese cider and wiltshire ham that and you. you here. well yeah and me and, and the kids you know and the kids but uh those those sort of those are the triangle of things that keep you it's in the southwest. food alcohol and boobs that's by basically why i'm in the why i'm in the southwest no but no i'm very i'm very happy here this I've never really had anywhere I called home. I worked in America for a long time. I lived in London for three or four years. Um, I've travelled a great deal. I've never really had anywhere to call home. And then we bought this place. And having children, I think, grounds you. So, you know, this is home for me. But I've noticed, as you said, I've started to pick up Wiltshire twang, bits bits of bits of wordplay, yeah. now, I, bits of colloquialism. I don't have a particularly strong accent, although I do sometimes, depending on who I'm talking to. And I generally don't pronounce things in a, in a way that has a strong accent. But there are certain words that are sort of more local words. And one of them, which is the word someone. Someone is not a word. Yes. Now, I didn't realise... Someone is not a word. I didn't realise that someone wasn't actually a word until I went to university and people were like, what did you say? Someone. And I was like, oh, we'll do it someone. You know, and they're like, but what is someone? in the North East we call children bands and, you know, and we have our own colloquialisms. But you... Our is war. We're talking to somebody House the other day. and you. Wahoos. You used the word someone. I did in a conversation, and I was just like, oh my God, I use someone. And, you know, in, in 11 years of living here, I don't think I have, but I think it's just the Wiltshire things rubbing rubbing off. I just love that word, though, because it, someone just it doesn't means mean anything. an unspecified period of time. I'm going to do it someone. Yeah. I, it's I, it's I like manana for the Spanish. Yeah, I guess it is kind of, but uh, th- I love that word and I use it all the time. And that's probably why you've picked it up. But I still find it funny to walk into different towns in Wiltshire and to hear the people speaking. And the accent is really quite unique. But then it's the same going up to the northeast. Sure. I mean, when you But I can tell where someone is from in the northeast by their accent. So someone says, oh, you've got a Geordie accent. 
I can tell where roughly whereabouts they're from in Newcastle, Gateshead, Durham, you know, or they're in Mackham, Sunderland, you know, they've got a wearside accent. And you can tell also with Sunderland, you can tell whereabouts in Sunderland, whether it's Pennywell, whether it's Hetton, whether it's Springwell, you know, wherever. You can tell because some of the estates, some of the rougher estates have got harder vowels. An estate, now you think estates only like a couple hundred people here. An estate in the northeast might be 35,000, 40,000 people. All with outside toilets. No, <laughs> no, with, they all have Sky TV dishes and no, better trainers joking. than you'll ever wear. Trust me on this one. Um, all from Bright House. But so, are there any are there any made up words? Because I don't think you use any made up words. From, I don't use a penny made. I, I, no, I haven't been. I haven't been influenced southeast. by it. The only time I ever have a northeastern accent is when I'm talking to someone from the northeast. Yes, and then it just, it just comes, comes out. out instantly. And then you might, or like if you're watching the television or something, it comes out for about an hour afterwards and mm-hmm. then you sort of I'm very proud down. to be from the northeast I'm very it's a, it's you know my heritage of being brought up around Durham and Sunderland very working class but very uh, an area where a lot of industry was born a lot of you know coal mining and shipbuilding and my grandfather designed cranes up there and you know a lot of honest people came from there and now it's decimated and it's full of call centers and Amazon warehouses, you know, there's not a lot to work up there. And I was only saying last week to a guy who I work with who's from Newcastle, um, and it's Newcastle, not Newcastle. I would say Newcastle, Newcastle. but there you go. Um, that, you know, I'd love to move back because I could afford to buy the road, buy, buy the entire street of houses. You know, not just one, I could buy the street. And But there's no jobs for our kids up there. So mm, I think that's and I, the, I would love to live that. That's you know, one of the things, I suppose, you get that north-south divide in terms of you know jobs and and things like that and obviously the north well midlands and and up further has all been very much more industrial i would say than i grew up in, down here. but i grew up in a area of the northeast which was really founded in the late victorian period so it was slightly more upmarket middle middle class it wasn't back-to-back housing and i didn't know anyone and later in life, I knew people who lived in those back-to-back houses with the little alleyways. In fact, my aunt and uncle had one. Um, but well, that's my great go, aunt and great uncle You go to the school that's one. nearest where you live, don't you? So- but I went to school, and, and, and when I went to school in the 1970s, before you were born, it was there was, it, there was was I wouldn't say there was a lot of desperation, because you didn't understand what that was when you were six, seven, eight years old. But you knew that there was, a, there was poverty. You knew there was poverty, because you knew that things like we don't have hand-me-downs now we don't hand-me-downs isn't a big thing there because school uniforms cheap i know some people have problems hardship funds and yeah some there is genuine hardship i think it's a different world though in that aspect my first pair of football boots when i was six or seven years old came from my cousin who was four years older than me and I had them stuffed with newspaper. They looked like clown shoes. They were about three or four sizes too big, and they were stuffed with newspaper. And my dad, every time the newspaper got sold, my dad would put new newspaper in it. They were hand-me-downs. That's that's. My parents weren't hard up, but it was the nineteen early nineteen eighties when interest rates were like fifteen percent. You know. Yeah, I was going to say even in my childhood, you had a lot of hand-me-downs and stuff. And I think you don't so much now because, in relative to everything else, clothing and things are so cheap and so readily available. I mean, when I was at school you really only had a couple of places where you could buy any kind of school uniform stuff. You don't have the, the cheap stuff you get in supermarkets no. now and things like that, you know, so everything was was very expensive. I mean, 
Uh, my mum used to make lots of clothes for us when yeah, I yeah. was younger because it was cheaper to well, buy the I fabric remember, and do I remember yourself. my... I mean, we, we lived in a very, very nice house in a nice affluent area, but the entire northeast was caught in a in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very poor economy. And I remember my mother um, sewing handkerchiefs on the bottom of my dad's shirt so, so she could use the bottom of my dad's shirts to make collars. Yeah, and I, I remember that as a child. I, I fervently remember a treat being, you know, the, you see these hollowed out jacket potatoes, you know, the jacket potato skins. Now they're, they're de rigueur. Oh, now now loaded, everyone thinks loaded skins. loaded skins. People call them loaded skins. But when we were growing up, it was because there wasn't any money. You know, your mother would your mother would put these under the under the grill on the gas gas oven and you'd have hollowed out potatoes. And that was that was that was a staple fare. I, I remember coming home from school at lunchtime in the 1970s and having that and. The, the miracle of color TV. Seen the first color TV. I'd never seen a color TV before. You're so old. I am very old. I mean, I had black and white TV in my bedroom. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, you know, we. I did have a black and white television. I think I got it when I was maybe about nine years old, and I had it in my in my bedroom. And it was one where you had to turn the dial, turn the dial, yeah, and everything on it. And downstairs we had one. I think it just had like four buttons. So you know. The well, there was, a, there was only there, at that well. Time. I remember when there were two channels. Never mind four channels. Um, you know, so I, I grew up in a, in, a, in a black and white stroke color world, and seeing things th- things like uh, the Waltons on television in color was fantastic. Little House on the Prairie in color. Wow. Do you know it's when real. seeing Snooker in color? That was bizarre. I don't think I don't think this is unique to me, but I, you know, when you're growing up and you see pictures of like the olden days and how things were and stuff, and you know they're all black and white photographs. I actually thought the whole world was in black and white. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, in my child brain, I don't, I don't know at what point, therefore, it made colour. But I, because obviously when you see stuff from the past, it's yeah. black and white, I just automatically assumed that's what the, the whole world but was But if you like. look back at my photos, the photos of me when I was a baby and I was in my christening kit are all black and white. There's no colour. They're all um, black and white. I'm not colour until I'm about two years old. Maybe you were just a very pale baby. <laughs> no, but we lived we lived in a in an age of instamatic cameras with with twenty four um, shots on the on the reel or thirty six if you used film cameras. And your dad was never in any photos because your dad was always behind the camera taking the photos because your mother could never be trusted to use the camera because her finger would be over the lens. So I have I have my dad died when I was younger. I have virtually no photos of my father because he was never in the photos. He was no. always behind. And the we've camera. always made sure that we always get lots of pictures. But, but of my, you with my, our children. but my point is, 24, 24 photos was a was a luxury. So you had to th- you must have had to think about what you were taking your photo. Can I justify taking a photo of this? I know, and I think can do I you just because I've got to pay the processing. Yeah, I mean, even I oh, can I'm not remember take a photo of that because it's a waste of film. I remember getting my first camera, which was a Christmas present when I was maybe about seven or something. What, was it a disc camera or a one one zero or something? Or? Oh, I don't know. It was just some little thing, just a regular. It was a regular camera. One of my friends had one of those like skinny rectangular yeah, ones, one, but, or one one zero. But yeah. mine was like a normal normal sort of camera 110 you literally press the button and, and, and it opened a open a window and exposed the the, the, the emulsion you know? i had i had it drummed into me that obviously you don't waste these photos because i think it probably cost even in those days maybe four or five pounds to develop it was quite sure. expensive true print and all those cast cut and kodak they all made a fortune out of it and i had as well as having this camera i got given some photo albums and the pictures that i took are actually in these albums and they're still at my mum's house and when you look through it's like there's a couple of pictures of the christmas decorations and in those days like the the best christmas decorations were these sort of 
well, it was all about the tinsel, but also these sort of gold things that you would swag all across the ceiling. They would be flat and then you would like open oh, them like up like those, those lantern yeah, things yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. I thought they were amazing, and uh, we you went to my pleased. we went Still to my are. aunt we went to my aunt's house, and in the dining room, I think they were like crisscrossed across the ceiling from all four sure. corners. I thought it was the best thing ever. So we never had things like that because we had to make our own. We but made I, paper, paper doilies and paper lanterns. So four or five pictures in this photo album of, with my brand new camera were of the decorations because I thought they were so lovely. In fact, Blue Peter, if you is a BBC television program that's been around since the late nineteen fifties on on BBC television. Uh, and it, it's it's designed for children who it talks about animals and adventures and all it's sorts of It's a very of, wholesome show. It's a very wholesome show and they teach you how to make things. My dad made me a TV studio out of a cardboard box. The biggest thing they ever painted did with enamel paint and was a, an the action man tent. Tracy a, Island. That was like the, the biggest the, thing they ever that did. That was the this first Tracy job I ever had on F school working for Joe Anderson. There you go. But full uh, circle. But yeah, it, that was a good program of making stuff. So did you make? Did you make the? This was that's one what of the I'm talking about. They, yes. they made they they, they made a, a Christmas a Christmas mobile lantern thing out of it was like a Chris Dingle. It was like a Chris Dingle. It was basically two upside down coat hangers, wire coat hangers, wound round tightly with tinsel and then with candles um, on bottle it. tops, bottle metal bottle tops on the end, glued on on a matchstick. And then it had a matchstick coming through it, and then you'd have the bottle top, and then you'd put a candle in either. So you'd have four corners, each of them with an actual physical wax candle, highly flammable tinsel. And they'd and have people this big would thing make of these it. things. Yeah, but and they used to do it every year. Didn't yeah, they, they? And, and I'm sure houses burnt down. I'm sure houses <laughs> burnt down. And I remember my parents making it and then being terrified to light the bloody thing. So yeah, Blue Peter was responsible for quite a lot of stuff. I mean, Blue Peter was actually you, you get the book once a year. They get this annual, and the Blue Peter annual would arrive with John Noakes and Shep, and later all the rest of them. Um, I'm showing my age here, but in the book there'd be things to do, and you know, and part of Christmas was knowing that you'd you'd do that with your dad. You'd, you'd have the. I remember my dad made me a, a tent for my action man, like GI Joe doll, and all it was was. Um, a bit of a shirt on on, on some wire for, and, and just bent over and taped. That's all it was. Oh. <laughs> but me thinking that was fantastic. You know, it probably took like 20 minutes and, and my mum objected to him having to use an old shirt to make it. And, you know, it had to be a white shirt because, of course, it was an alpine warfare tent, you know, and then it showed you how to make clothes for your action man out of the rest of the shirt. So you'd, you'd, have, you'd have alpine warfare outfit for your action man and stuff. And, Wow, I never did any of that. No, that was a big thing for us. And chocolate selection boxes. The chocolate selection boxes. And still, I even say today, when I pick up um, there's a, a chocolate in the UK called Double Decker, a confectioner in the UK, whenever I have bite into a Double Decker, it reminds me of Christmas mornings. And a crunchy as well. I always used was, to like... I was never allowed things like that. It was only ever at Christmas. It was a big treat at Christmas. Ginger ale, Double Deckers, crunchies and, and, and fudge fingers. See, for me, I always had this thing, like, you know, I love, <coughs> love getting a selection box at Christmas and having all these chocolates. And I would always try and eat one whole chocolate bar from that selection box before my Christmas meal because I would just always be starving. Like, you would have breakfast and then you would open presents and then you'd be waiting for this meal, which takes ages to cook. And I would just, I'd always be so hungry. And you'd have all these... And I never get why you do this at Christmas, and we do it here as well. You have these boxes of, of fancy biscuits, and you have these dishes with, with lovely chocolates in. 
mm-hmm. but you're not allowed to like you could say oh can I have one no you're not allowed to have them they're for Christmas and literally sucks to be an adult literally Christmas day comes around and you're, you're allowed to, to help yourself to these you chocolates but yeah you don't want to because you've you're just so been given yeah, 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 yeah you've just been given selection boxes and all this other stuff sure and it's like you're waiting or, or it's um, no that's in case we have guests but what guests do you ever really have I mean we would have maybe someone who would pop round and drop off some Christmas cards or you know presents for my brother and I when we were a lot younger but they they rarely would even stay for a cup of tea let alone to have one of the chocolates but things like Christmas presents you know you, you remember best Christmas presents when you were a kid compared to Christmas presents now which are very commercial in a box so Every, what was your uh, best Christmas present then I had two I had two I got in 1970. 1978 or 1970 Christmas Christmas 1978 I got the um, and this is how current it was 1978 my parents bought me the 1973 <laughs> not 1978 they didn't buy me the Vaux one they bought me the the, the Sunderland FA Cup winning um, shirt shorts and socks but that and, was the year you were born though. yes so but it was it, it, it was no it was no significance because we won the FA Cup in 1973 and you can still buy that kit in the, in the Sunderland shop so 1978 my parents bought me that and they bought me a a wooden uh fort with plastic knights on it with a drawbridge that worked and I thought this was fantastic absolutely fantastic I thought I was the king of the world I thought it was absolute king of the world. And then the year before, I'd been bought a teepee. Oh, that's a cool present, And we fought, we, we fought over it so much, myself and my younger sister, who's two years younger than me, and she must have been about two or three at the time, but we fought so much over it. Her birthday was February, the following, a couple of months' time, after Christmas, so she got one for her birthday, <laughs> just so we could be separated, so I could have my teepee, and she could have her teepee, and never the twain shall meet. I remember one of my best Christmas presents was, I don't laugh at this, was a nurse's outfit. Well, you still got it? <laughs> no. I was, Seriously? I was very small. I was probably like eight years old. Oh, okay. That's a bad mental picture. And, um, and I'd really wanted it. And I'd done that thing where I'd gone to bed and gone to sleep. And then for some reason, I woke up and Father Christmas had been like this... We used to get our presents in what was like a bin bag, but it was white and it had a picture of Father Christmas in. And Father Christmas had been and I was very excited and I could hear my mum downstairs uh, wrapping up presents, you know, sort of last minute thing. And this wasn't unusual. Some, sometimes my mum would get up a lot earlier than, than us just so she could get stuff done in the house. So I thought to myself, oh, Father Christmas has been, I'll just open some of my presents so I opened them and one of them was this nurse's outfit. I came downstairs. I was like, Mum, look, Father Christmas, look at what I've got. And she's like, get back to bed. Obviously, I'd only probably been asleep for like an hour or so. And Father Christmas had visited well, miraculously this. in that time. Beat this. And uh, yeah, I got in a little bit of trouble for that. So when I was when I was about five or six years old, I had this habit of... A, it was before the days of duvets and eiderdowns, so it would have been you had like a thick wool blanket and a sheet and then a throw over, whatever it was, a bedspread over the top. But it was great because you had three layers. You could take your torch under there and you'd go and read your Secret Seven or your Famous Five underneath until... And, and batteries were commodity. Batteries were... Because you obviously didn't have any money to get the shop and buy batteries. So when your batteries ran out, that was it. You, life ended for uh, until at such a time as you convinced your parents you needed any batteries. Because then you what you'd been doing. 
and I had a, a my grandfather had bought me a shortwave medium wave radio, little radio, pocket radio. And I had an earpiece, a crystal earpiece, which is a little white lead. It was long before your time, a little white lead that went, a plug that went in your ear. And it was a mono earpiece. And I would listen to um, the home service. The, so I'd listen to the Goon Show and whatever else underneath the sheets while I was reading my book. And it used to get really hot on the The sweat would pour off you. But you'd be reading your Secret Seven and you were quite happy. Anyway, my dad didn't know that I was under the covers reading. He assumed I was asleep. And my dad must have come into my room on Christmas Eve. Bless him. Because <laughs> I'd never do this in a million years. My dad used to do this thing where he would have a... It was one of his... My dad was an ex-professional soccer player, ex-professional football player, uh, turned teacher. But he was... He, he played professional football for 15 years and it affected his health greatly in his declining years. Um, but he was a very well-known ex-professional footballer in the Northeast. And he came into my bedroom, and he must have come into my sister's bedroom, to put this sock, this football sock, the black and white football sock that he used to referee in from when he used to referee for the FA, on the end of the bed. And in there, there would be a shiny coin, there'd be a Satsuma, There'd be some chocolates and a chocolate coin. That that's what you get in your and, and a walnut. I don't know why why you give a child a walnut, a nut allergy or whatever. But there'd always be a walnut in there, and I think that's what he'd had as a child. And he would come in and he would pin this near your bed, and he would actually pin it with a you know drawing pin or whatever. And in the dark, in the dark, dressed as Father Christmas. Wow. He would come into our room on Christmas Eve and he would dress as Father Christmas. Now, I don't I'm, know if it was some kinky game my parents played, I'm, but I'm, I'm just not going to look into that. But he would dress as Father Christmas. And I remember coming up from underneath the duvet, underneath the eiderdown, very quietly, underneath this bedspread. He couldn't see me. I'd turn my torch off because I'd heard the noise. And I saw Father Christmas. <gasps> That must have been magical, but yeah. it must have also <laughs> fucking freaky. been really scared. No, it wasn't. I was just like, because I was just like, Father Christmas is in my bedroom. I've got to keep really quiet. And then um, the following year, we had a Christmas party. And I still remember to this day, friends coming around. My parents had a house that was built in the 1930s, a semi-detached house built in the 1930s, but with a huge garden. And it had an air raid shelter in the house, still from the Second World War. There was an Anderson air raid shelter under the stairs or corrugate dining. My grandmother had one as well. Um, I remember my father hiding in the air raid shelter, dressed as Father Christmas, and the kids all came around. So they must have been about six or seven. And my dad had gone proper beard, the whole outfit, blah, 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 blah. And he came out with a sack of ladybird books. And everyone thought this was absolutely fantastic. If you gave seven-year-olds Ladybird books now, they'd look at you like, "What is this? Why haven't I got an Xbox game? Why haven't I got? <laughs> why haven't I got Lego Connect? I don't know, or why I haven't got Lego Nexor from- Knights or whatever it is? Anything you get from Father Christmas, you'd I love still though. think he probably knocked them off from school somewhere. I'm sure of it. No, I'm serious. He probably got them. In- no, I don't mean knocked off. I mean got some massive discount because he bought them from the- a bulk buy from the school, and it was just like you know. Uh, just like you know really interesting ladybird books there, there wasn't like peter and jane you know it was really good ones so but I'm, i remember everyone got a ladybird but I, I and everyone thinking my dad was fantastic for dressing up as father christmas because no one else's dad did no i'm thinking to myself obviously you know we don't have a father christmas thing i don't have a thing you no. know i don't i don't have a secret fancy of kissing 
Santa Claus under the mistletoe. But we took our kids to Macy's to go and see but, Father Christmas. They but think what I'm thinking is, in New York, we we still have that green Power Ranger outfit. Power Ranger is not an elf. Power Ranger is a Power Ranger. Don't I'm, don't cross the swords. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, maybe the maybe the green Power Ranger could uh, could come back out and, and terrify the children with a post traumatic stress disorder. No. Okay. Maybe maybe just get the outfit back out for me again then. But then when I was a teenager, <laughs> I got a present that changed my life. And that was the gift of level 42. So when I was about 11 years old, I got given, my parents must have asked me what I wanted, I got given level 42's World Machine album. And I played that album until it must have died because I had a cassette copy in the end, just as a spare. And I played that album so much. I mean, I had lots of other music I liked, a massive amount of Queen, but that really changed my life because later in life I would, you know, I would buy everything Love 42 ever did, but later in life I'd become friends with, very good friends with Gary Husband who took over from Phil Gould on drums for Love 42 and I'd meet and spend time with Mark King. But now, even this morning, tweeting with Phil Gould, who's the drummer, who, him and his brother Boone were the co-founders of Level 42 talking this morning about that album on Twitter about well, World Machine go. so full circle and I'm 44 years old so 33 years on well, it was a memorable present 33 years on well as I say I'm still talking about that album with the guy who played drums on it I hate to say Fantastic. but obviously you know this nurse's outfit was very good but unfortunately I don't have uh... but I can buy you another one yeah <laughs> Happily, a proper one. I think I th- no. I'm not going to say anything. No, no. I would. Uh, I was... I'm going to plead the fifth on this one. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Then you get me the nurse's outfit, and and you can wear the uh, Power Rangers one. No, I'm not. And I, I, could power... treat, I could treat you for you're dehydration. S- you're surrounded by drum kits. You're surrounded by drum kits here. What you need to buy me is a pair of mirror shades like Phil Gould's got, and then then that's all I want for Christmas. Give me a pair of Phil Gould's. What mirror I need shades. to buy is is an air raid shelter, and just put you in it. What yeah, I'd love it. Get me an air raid shelter. I'd be absolutely happy with that. Alternatively, I can just put you in the shed. We we'll just get a bigger shed. I've got an office in the garden. It's full of bass guitar. Yeah, but that's equipment. got windows. It's got windows. <laughs> True. True. It has got windows in it. So in the run up to Christmas, hope everyone is making their plans to see family and friends, and everyone's in good health. And we will be back with you for episode fifteen, which, which is will a special. Be, we will give you a festive special. A festive special that you will not be expecting. Exactly. So make we sure we are pulling all the stops out for episode fifteen next week. We are indeed. So make sure that if you aren't already, you subscribe and uh, keep an eye on the Facebook page, which is not quite the afterglow, all one word, and uh, see what we've got in store for you. Yeah, it's going to be very different to our normal show. It is. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Come back soon. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe via iTunes on your Apple device. If you are an Android user, we recommend using CastBox, available free from the Google Play Store. Find us on Facebook. Search Not Quite the Afterglow.